0: The win against Arizona State over the weekend affirmed for the Bruin football fans that the Chip Kelly method of doing things is working. While we probably wish it happened a bit faster than it has... It is working, and we are looking forward to seeing this continue, this success against Colorado this weekend. And with that, want to welcome you in to another edition of Locked On Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. You can, of course, find me on Twitter, at Brian Fenley. That's Brian with a Y. You can email the show, lockedonbruins, at gmail.com, and you can hit that subscribe button. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't that be a great way to stay up to date on all things UCLA and... Uh, We we talk football, we talk basketball, we talk other sports as well. But obviously, there's so much going on with the football team that that's going to dominate our discussion today. What in particular is going to be the focus of this show is Colorado. Obviously, that is our next opponent. But I want to look at in depth their last game. They played on national television last Friday against USC. And so I'm going to break down this game and point out things in which really stood out to me because USC had several different ways to blow this game. The Colorado Buffaloes had a chance to win this thing, and they just were not able to execute. Speaking of executing, I think the biggest difference for the Bruin football team right now because you look at where they are, and and, and my, my guy Mike Regalado with... Bruin report, he posted these stats with the offense of UCLA and the UCLA defense. He pointed out in the first three games of this season, UCLA's offense was averaging about 20 or excuse me, 263 yards total yards of offense. That was the first three games. The last five games, the offense is averaging close to 500 yards. So you're talking about 250 to 500. This is an offensive explosion. Defensively, things are starting to ratchet up as well. In the first six games of the season, UCLA's defense was allowing 500 yards. The last two, under 300. So obviously that is a a number that is showing signs of improvement, but you can always get better. And speaking of getting better, the USC football team is getting better. And that is shown by them standing in first place in the conference in the South Division, and they are actually tied with Utah at the top spot, but because USC has already beaten Utah, they hold the tiebreaker. Now, behind those two, there is UCLA, and they're just a game back of Utah and USC, and of course, the Bruins have to take on both of those teams later on this season. But I brought up USC because they beat Colorado on Friday, which is UCLA's next opponent. And I'm going to bring this up, later on in this episode, but Clay Helton, the Trojans head coach, felt that there was a game-changing play that he thought that there was some divine intervention that helped USC, because if there's anything that the man upstairs wants more, it's for USC to win a game. Anyway, so we'll get into that a little bit later. I want to give you a little bit of an overview first on the Buffaloes before we dive into their last game. And let's be honest, this Buffaloes team trending in opposite directions as UCLA. They're both three and five, don't get me wrong, but the Buffaloes have lost their last four. UCLA has won their last two. And the Buffaloes, I don't know what it is about this team. But the second year in a row now, they've accrued a couple decent wins. Like they beat Arizona State earlier in the season. But they've continued to face plant towards the end of the seasons. Like last year, they lost the last seven games. So they've lost four in a row here as we hit the final stretch of 2019. And then in 2018, they lost seven in a row. And because of those losing ways, they brought in a new head coach in Mel Tucker and currently let's be honest this team their defense is very atrocious very welcoming to USC's passing game and if you look at the stats in the Pac-12 there's not a whole lot that the Buffaloes lead the Pac-12 in however there are a couple things where they're close to being at the top they are third in number of punts which is you know hey it's something right They're also second in the conference in punting average. You know, they're getting a lot of three and outs. Their offense is stalling. Hey, you're giving your punter more work. He's working on his game, and he's becoming one of the best in the conference. So, hey, there's always a bright side, right, to to looking at things. Well, maybe not really. But, okay, so as far as this Buffalo's loss to the Trojans, who, by the way, USC has beaten Colorado All 14 of their meetings. So this was close. I I mean, I'm looking at this game. I was watching the end of this game on Friday. And and maybe you were as well. We're going late in the fourth quarter. Buffaloes are leading. And USC has the football. And here comes Colorado linebacker Jamar Montgomery, Montgomery busting through the offensive line. He has got a clean shot at Keaton Slovis, the freshman quarterback for USC. He forces the fumble. I would have to argue that if Colorado falls on that ball, they are able to run out the clock, milk the clock, and win the game. But as Clay, Clay Helton pointed out, when he was asked about that that fumble late in the fourth that could have been... Recovered by the other team, but luckily for his Trojans, they were recovered by his own guys. He said, quote, sometimes the ball bounces your way, and sometimes it hasn't done that for us this year. Tonight it did, referring to last Friday, and the good Lord was watching over the Trojans tonight. But there were many other positive plays that were made, and that was just one of them that we needed. Luck was on our side there. No kidding, because by... Holding on to the football, then Keaton Slovis was able to slice and dice the CU secondary, which is nothing to boast for. I mean, their defense is pretty pitiful. It's, it's almost at the bottom of the FBS. But going back to that drive, so because it was continued, because USC kept the football, Keaton Slovis, he eventually found Michael Pittman, who has to be, one of the top wide receivers in all of college football. So he found uh, Michael Pittman late in the fourth quarter for the game what would be the game-winning touchdown as CU's secondary absolutely just barfs. I mean, it just falls apart as Michael Pittman runs into the end zone late and USC escapes with the win. But but let's not get it twisted here. The Buffaloes had plenty of shots to win this game without the help of maybe a fumble being recovered by their squad late in the game. And I'm going to break down some of the questionable play calling from their head coach and and Mel Tucker late in the fourth quarter that I think hurt his team, even though he says it did not. But first... Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, quote, I I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or, sorry, honey, just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it is simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you've got a chance at a free online evaluation and ongoing care with ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com to complete an online visit. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit, free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash locked for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash locked. As UCLA gets ready to host Colorado on Saturday, Buffalo's head coach Mel Tucker yesterday took some time out with the media, and he had some questions asked about the prior game against USC. and and how he was able to digest the way his team lost In, in a heartbreaking fashion. You blew a lead in the fourth quarter. You did not score in the fourth quarter. You gave up 14 points in the fourth quarter. And he said, quote, we have to do simple better, which I guess means the little things, the things that are easy to correct, his team is not doing or executing. So again, and this is another point of discussion, is that in a sense comforting that he says that they're the simple things that aren't really being executed correctly? Or is it even more frustrating because these are things that you should already be doing that you're not? He went on to say that there is a difference between being disappointed and being discouraged. He said that he was disappointed by the outcome and the effort late from his team against USC, but in no way was he discouraged. I would beg to differ that Buffalo football fans were discouraged by his decision in the fourth quarter to punt the football when the Buffs were in USC territory. I mean, you're trying to close out this game And you give the ball back to the Trojans. And the third down play calling, which came up short, was a throw behind the line of scrimmage. Or no, not behind the line of scrimmage. Behind the sticks to get to that line to gain. So you really were playing conservative to the core. And you end up punting the ball back to USC. And what do they do? They drive down the field and win the game late. And so there was some criticism thrown Mel Tucker's way about why did you decide to punt? And he said that I don't see anything wrong with that. That, that, that was a direct quote from him, which I, I don't think that his fan base would agree with. The, the lack of, of discipline ha, has really shown forth with his team. They... In, in the game against USC, 13 penalties called on the Buffaloes for over 100 yards. Now, he would then finish off by saying, look, well, we didn't turn the ball over. But, I mean, the fact that you, you had 13 penalties, I mean, how would you equate that to turnovers? I mean, it's almost like having a couple turnovers by that many penalties and how many yards you're giving up. I, I don't know if you saw this. But this was mind-numbing to me to watch. Their quarterback, Steven Montez, it was in the second half. And by the second half, the Buffalo's offensive line was just wilting. I mean, the pass rush was coming, and Steven Montez was taking shots. And there was one shot where he got absolutely tattooed His neck snaps back, and it hits the turf really hard. And and look, I'm no doctor, but it seemed to be pretty easy to diagnose that as a head injury and a concussion. The way his head contacted the turf, it was brutal. I mean, I thought to myself, there is no way this guy is playing another snap in this game. And he comes out. And apparently the doctors check on him. And he he kind of went through the motions of what happened after the game when he said, yeah, I came out of the game. The doctors checked me for concussion. They said I was cleared and I didn't have one. And so I felt like I could just come back in. And then there was a follow-up question to Montez where he was asked, did you feel a bit fuzzy out there when you came back? Did it seem like you were fully coherent. And he said, well, you know, you play football, you take any hit and you feel a little bit woozy. And look, I'm not a college football player. I I don't know what it's like to take a hit like that or any hit. So I'm not one to know. But what I can glean is that when he did come back in, it was not the same Steven Montez who was playing quarterback for the Buffaloes before his hit on the ground, and his head just absolutely smashed the ground. So, again, I'm not a doctor as well, but it just seemed like they rushed him out there when just based on his decision-making and his, his errant throws, it was so out of character for Steven Montez that it was like, are you sure he didn't have a concussion? Are you sure he didn't get his bell rung? Because it certainly looked like that would have been the case. What we've heard is that he's cleared and that he's going to play on Saturday when UCLA hosts Colorado. And, you know, he had some decent numbers. You know, But here's the thing, and this is what Wayne Cook, who is a co-host of mine on the Bruin Insider show on Tuesdays, he pointed out about Steven Montez. It's like you can have one great game from him, and then he goes the next game, and he's very ordinary. So you just don't have a a sustained level uh, of success with this guy, and it's hard to rely on him. He, He throws a good ball. I mean, against USC, he had over 300 yards passing, did not turn the ball over, and he's a pretty good runner. And I don't think he's at the level of running as a Dorian Thompson Robinson is, But you certainly can't discount his ability to scamper out of the pocket and pick up a first down with his feet. But I I, I just don't see him having that consistency, which I think is a big reason why the Buffaloes have struggled late. But even more, based on their struggles, is their defense, which I talked about earlier. And it was very porous and... If there's one or two strengths on this Buffalo's team, based on what I saw against USC, and again, I want to get a little bit more specific about certain position groups as we finish up this week and get closer to kickoff, but, but the running game was okay, and they do have LaVisca Chennault, who had over 100 yards receiving against USC and I mean this guy is playing like he's ready for the NFL however he has been persevering and toughing out through some injuries but so you've got really one good receiver in LaVisca Chennault who had a great performance on Friday against USC and then the running game is solid and Alex Fontenot was a guy that Played uh, decent. I want to get more in-depth about the stable of running backs that Colorado has later on this week. But according to Coach Tucker, he said Fontenot has good vision, good yards after contact, he can catch, good with pass production or protection, I should say. And as he said, lots of depth at running back. You know who has a lot of depth? UCLA's men's basketball team. I mean, they've got so much depth, they don't even know If they have five clear-cut starters. And later today, if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, the Bruins are hosting Stanislaus State, the only exhibition game that UCLA will have. And it's going to give us an idea of what this team looks like. In front of another opponent, like the Bruins have had, some secret scrimmages. But it's going to be very interesting to see how this team is utilized with so many different pieces. And I'm going to break down the matchup for you and tell you what you might expect. So I'm thinking about this UCLA men's basketball scrimmage tonight against Stanislaus State. And it kind of reminds me of a wedding dress rehearsal. And I've never been married I so you're probably thinking yourself well what the heck does this guy know about a wedding dress rehearsal well I have watched a couple I have been in a couple and when I hear how Mick Cronin is sizing up or, or, or viewing this game in that it's very procedural nothing counts I, I look at it like a wedding dress rehearsal in the fact that like you know Here's where you exit the aisle, and here's where you go and meet with the pastor, or, or however you're getting married. Like, this is the routine. You walk this way, and you go that way. And so, for Mick Cronin, he said, I, I, I'm using this, this exhibition as like telling the guys, well, here's the tunnel you go through. This is where you sit down. This is the bench. You're, you sit here, you sit there, or whatever. You figure out where, you know, how you sit down as a team in a game, like these simple things that we all take for granted and we don't think takes any thinking. Or, or how do you check into the scores table and all that stuff? Or where the bathroom is, who knows? So, it's not about, I, I would be surprised if, if Mick Cronin spent more than five minutes, five minutes reviewing tape on their opponent tonight in Stanislaus State. First of all, it's not even a Division I school, and what Mick Cronin says is that he would actually prefer to play secret scrimmages against other D1 schools than to have exhibition games like this because they're usually obviously against D2 or, or lower division schools. Because he doesn't like playing these games necessarily, because the other team doesn't have the size and the depth to compete. So you're not really getting a true assessment of your team because you have such size advantages inside. It's like, I don't know, having Shaq on your team and you're taking on, you know, a high school basketball team. Like it's just not fair. And you don't get a true, like I said, measurement of where your team is. So. There's only so much you can take out of this other than just understanding how the game is going to work. You're at home, the schedule of things, when do you warm up before the game, how much time do you have in between the halves, and all this stuff. It's just, it's very like housekeeping stuff. I will say there is one difference between a wedding dress rehearsal and UCLA's exhibition game against Stanislaus State, and that is the Bruins are wed. To playing this team like they can't get out of it they are scheduled to play this team and there's nothing they can do even if they don't want to play this game however if you're a bride-to-be and you're going through your wedding dress rehearsal and you suddenly think ah you know I don't think that significant other is for me well you're free to leave and not that I'm advising any of this and who knows maybe this will happen to me one day when I get married or find that special person but uh You know, you never know. All right, so tomorrow I'm going to get more in-depth about Colorado's defense and how it struggled, and then we'll look a little bit back at the basketball performance against Stanislaus State and what we can take from that game because rest assured that what you see is the starting five for the Bruin basketball team in that game. I'm not a betting man. But I'm pretty sure you're not going to see that starting five the rest of the season. I think there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking and and experimenting with different players to see what lineups fit better. Thank you again for taking a bit of your time in your day to listen to this podcast. So much to be thankful for, for you guys and listening. And we will talk to you tomorrow for Locked On Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley.